Welcome to Let's Review RN. My name is Bryn O'Donnell, and I'm a certified adult and geriatric nurse practitioner. I work as a cardiology APN and function as a visiting professor and clinical instructor for a BSN program. This is an independent production by myself, and I am not representing any educational institution. My goal is to deliver a condensed but robust review on topics primarily discussed in Adult Health 1 and 2 and some pieces of pharmacology of a bachelor degree nursing program. Over the years, I've learned that students have an immense amount of confusion and questions when they leave didactic, which makes applying what they are learning nearly impossible to the clinical setting. I want to break down the basics so that you can continue to build upon your knowledge and put the pieces together. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Let's Review RN. Today, we are going to start our discussion about kidney stones. Kidney stones can also be referred to as renal calculi, and they are small, hard, insoluble deposits that form out of minerals and crystals that are within the filtrate, which ultimately become the urine. This is formed within the nephron of the kidneys. Each kidney contains around 1 million individual nephrons. This is the functional portion of the kidney that allows it to filter, reabsorb, and secrete. So fresh, oxygenated, unfiltered blood is received from the heart to the kidneys via the renal artery. The renal artery then branches off and unfiltered blood enters the afferent arterial, afferent meaning bringing blood to or towards something. The afferent arterial brings blood towards the nephron. The nephron is made of two main parts, the renal corpuscle and the renal tubule. Responsible for filtering the blood, our renal corpuscle is formed by the capillaries of the glomerulus and Bowman's capsule. The glomerulus is a bundled network of capillaries that increases the surface area of the blood so that that it has greater contact with blood vessel walls to allow for ultrafiltration. The filtrate, the substance being filtered out of the blood, then sinks down and is collected in the outer layer of the Bowman capsule. This outer layer holds the urine and it separates the blood within the capsule. At the far end of the Bowman's capsule, opposite the glomerulus, is the mouth which leads into the renal tubule, which is where urine enters to allow for reabsorption and excretion and secretion. The remaining blood that is now filtered continues through the glomerulus and out the efferent arterial to the paratubular capillaries. Now that we understand how urine concentrate is achieved, let's look at where the urine concentrate travels to after leaving the Bowman's capsule. A series of tubes called the renotubule concentrate the urine and reabsorb non-waste solutes from the urine. The renal tubule carries urine from the Bowman's capsule to the renal pelvis. The first portion of the renal tubule is known as the proximal convoluted tubule. The tubule cells that line the proximal convoluted tubule reabsorb much of the water and nutrients initially filtered into the urine. Reabsorption relies highly on what the body needs in order to maintain homeostasis. Urine next passes through the loop of Henle, a long straight tubule that carries urine through the descending loop of the Henle, which passes into the renal medulla before making a hairpin turn and returning to the renal cortex via the ascending loop of Henle. The renal medulla is very salty or hypertonic. The loop of Henle's main function is to create a concentration gradient in the medulla of the kidney, allowing for reabsorption of water and creates a concentrated urine for excretion. Following the loop of Henle is the distal distal convoluted tubule. 
And lastly, urine from the distal convoluted tubule of several nephrons enters the collecting duct, which carries the concentrated urine through the renal medulla and into the renal pelvis. From the renal pelvis, urine from many collecting ducts is collected and flows out of the kidney and into the ureters. So we know that kidney stones are made up of insoluble salts and crystallized minerals, but there are, there are a lot of varying pieces to understand about a patient's stone or kidney stone, or also referred to as renal calculi. Kidney stones can vary in size. They can be as small as a crystal of salt or as large as a pecan. They can be composed of different types of crystals and minerals. We will discuss several different types of kidney stones, which is important to understand what the stones are formed from because that really drives treatment, nursing interventions, and prevention education for these patients. To begin, the most common form of kidney stones are calcium oxalate stones. So most kidney stones are made of calcium compounds, especially calcium oxalate. High levels of calcium or oxalate in the acidic urine can lead to the formation of these types of kidney stones. Conditions that cause this may be, or conditions that cause hypercalcemia increase the risk of calcium oxalate stones. It can also be caused by medications such as calcium supplements with vitamin D. Conditions causing high calcium levels in the bodies are things like hyperparathyroidism, which causes the increase of PTH, which is our parathyroid hormone, leading to your bones to release more calcium into the bloodstream. High intake of sodium can also cause increased levels of calcium in your urine because it's not reabsorbed and rather high levels of calcium remain in the urine concentrate and can form these insoluble crystals. GI disorders such as ulcerative colitis can increase a patient's risk for developing oxalate kidney stones as well. This occurs because the patient often will have malabsorption of fat and therefore the calcium binds with fat and leaves high levels of oxalate in the body. The second type of kidney stone we're going to talk about is uric acid stones. Some kidney stones are made up of uric acid, a waste product which is formed from the breakdown of proteins, which is normally passed out of the body in the urine. You're more likely to have uric acid stones if you have low urine output, uh, someone experiencing dehydration, which increases the acidity of the urine, which is a breeding ground for these types of kidney stones. Uh, patients with a diet high in animal protein, such as red meat, because they are broken down into uric acid. Uh, also, patients that have um, gout or also consume higher amounts of alcohol, and then also inflammatory bowel disease. Another type of kidney stone is called a struvite stone. Um, so these are formed from typically an infection, um, and this can occur because of high frequency of urinary tract infection. So these types of kidney stones sometimes are also called staghorn calculi if they grow large enough. Struvite stones can be serious because they are often large stones and also are associated with infection. The bacteria causes a change in the pH of the urine, causing it to be alkaline. Medical treatment includes antibiotics and removal of stone, but we'll get more into that as probably in a later podcast. Women are affected more than men because of their higher risk for urinary tract infections. The next type of kidney stone is a cysteine stone. 
Less common are uh, kidney stones made of chemicals called cysteines. Um, cysteine stones are more likely to occur in people who um, have family conditions that result in too much uh, cysteine in the urine. Proximal, the proximal convoluted tubule, which primarily reabsorbs amino acids, um, is responsible for this because this is not the case in this genetic and rare cause of kidney stones. Cysteine stones may be prevented or dissolve with medicine. And if a stone causes a blockage in the urinary tract or it's too large, then it will have to be removed. The last type of kidney stone that can occur is called calcium phosphate stones. These are formed in alkaline urine, which unlike calcium oxalate, that's formed in acidic urine. Most kidney stones start to form in the kidneys, but then can migrate through the urinary tract. During this migration, they can become bigger and they can get stuck causing obstruction. Kidney stones can be found within the kidney at the calyx or the renal pelvis. They can travel to the ureters where they can get stopped at any portion of the ureter. Or they can also be seen in the bladder or the neck of the bladder. So most stones can be passed if they are less than 5 millimeters. However, they are very, very painful. Women have compared this pain to childbirth, and some say it's even more painful to pass a kidney stone. If the kidney stone is too large, it will need to be removed as the patient will not be able to pass it through their urine. That wraps up today's podcast, which we focused on really what a kidney stone is, what kind of minerals can kidney stones be made up of, and next week we'll talk more about formation of kidney stones, treatment, nursing interventions, and preventative education. As always, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Let's Review RN. And if you have time and you love this podcast, rating it and reviewing it is always appreciated. This podcast is for general information review purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine or nursing. The use of this information or any materials provided by Let's Review RN are at the user's own risk. This content is not intended to be a substitute for educational teachings through students' educational institutes or organizations.